So this is episode 15, right, of the uh, Digital Doctor podcast? It is. Yeah. And um, so I'm here. Ed's here. You there, Ed? I am here, yes. And, uh, and we've got Nish with us. Yep. Who are Hello. you, Nish? <laughs> yeah, who the hell, who the hell is Nish? <laughs> who is Nish? I'm a core surgical trainee. Um, I met you guys at the Digital Doctor conference last year. No, I met you way before that. <laughs> mm. That's true. And I heard you are an avid listener to our podcast. Well, yes. Why don't you tell us... Uh, what, I've what got a you... catch-up on. <laughs> Why don't you tell us your favourite episode? Um, so I think I was mentioning earlier, there's a really... One of my favourites, uh, amongst many, is probably the Open Eyes uh, episode. Stop sucking yeah. up to Wai Kiong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how, but how can anyone not like that episode, though? Oh, it's brilliant. And I think it's quite applicable to general surgical... You know, in my field as well. So uh, that was my probably pick of the bunch. So Quick, what did yeah. what did you help us out with? You you were doing um, software for research with me. That was right. We were going to do loads on collaboration mm. as well. And we I think we are going to do. We're going to do another podcast on collaboration, aren't we? Yeah, uh, that was. I mean, that was. It all sort of came about preparing for the conference, didn't it? So we had to start all of us, I guess, working working on the conference from different places and me and Steve particularly shared lots of ideas and um, found different ways of working together. It was quite cool. Do you know, know, I I found it easier to organise a conference where none of us has ever met than, I found that easier than trying to organise a simple project working within the four walls of my hospital because of the ridiculous technology that I have to Mm. work with. Mm. It's and ridiculous. the meeting culture. I hate meetings. meetings yeah, I though. know. And I, I just think that you know, there's something there in hospitals about even collaboration within that that, that building that can be improved. But uh, so anyhow, I understand we're going to talk today about something quite exciting, Ed. Uh, I hope it's exciting. It is very exciting. I think. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about a an app that I built. Um, an iPhone app that I built called Induction. Um, so what is Induction? It is a free uh, app that, as the name m- might suggest, is basically trying to give doctors the information that they need to work in the hospital um, that they're in. So it's very, very localised. But the exciting thing about it is it's open source, which, of course, we all love. And it's also the information is actually crowdsourced. Um, so the whole idea is eventually, and this is my, my vision, I guess, for the app and how I think doctors would like to work is that, you know, traditionally we go to induction, you're, you're there in a two days worth of induction, you do a bit of basic life support and that's, you know, of course that's quite useful, useful refresher. You might get a lecture on uh, hand washing that's important, but probably yet less useful and you're probably pretty familiar with it then you get a thing from the fire safety guy about fire extinguishers propping open doors and using the blue one on the electrical (laughs) and the yellow one on the various types of fire and 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 the sort of the induction starts more to become about box ticking from an organizational point of view rather than actually what a doctor needs having come to a hospital which they've never worked at um, to be able to function on a day-to-day basis so 
that's why the app is called Induction. Um, now, a lot of people have contacted me and said, why the hell have you called it Induction? And the reason they say that is because at the moment, it's, it's pretty much a work in progress. It is out there. You can download it on the App Store, and there's a, a, a web version as well. Uh, but at the moment, it basically just gives you uh, telephone numbers and bleeps for the hospital where you work. And the whole idea is, is that I remember when I was a practicing junior doctor in hospitals that um, I could be, it could be very difficult to get the numbers and the bleeps for the people who you wanted to contact. You know, and invariably, if it wasn't at the top of your patient list, where a lot of people tend to create a little matrix of numbers uh, to use, you'd end up having to call switchboard. Now, switchboard, that's, for me, that's massive misuse of resources. Um, you know, clogging up switchboard, asking for the urology SHO's bleep number, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's you. probably not, you know, probably not good use of that resource when patients are trying to get through. There might be emergency calls trying to get through, etc. Your other option, of course, is to go into the trust intranet, if there is a trust intranet with this information, and then to try and find in their directory the numbers um, and I don't know if you guys have had any experience of doing that, but you tend to have to be fairly specific and it can be very difficult to actually get the information easily. It's crazy making. It's crazy making. So this app, basically mm. what it does is it invites, it, it, you open the app, it knows where you are because of location awareness on the phone, and it suggests your nearest five hospitals. Um, if you're not near those, you can actually search through the entire list of hospitals um, and then set that as your default. And then you'll see a nice directory of all the numbers that other doctors have kindly entered, um, numbers and bleeps, extensions and bleeps, that other doctors have kindly entered um, into the phone. Um, and then you can very easily see what that extension is. So if you need to call or do a bleep from a phone nearby you, you can do that. Or even better, and a lot of doctors do this anyway in large hospitals where there may not be phones lying around, you can actually just use your phone to, you know, to, make, to make the call. Um, directly from there um, and it's also got some nice features like if if the if the if we know the prefix for your hospital and you just get bleeped then you can use the quick dial function to just quickly enter the the the, the extension that you're being asked to call and then use your phone just to call that straight away even if we don't know what that name you know what that specific place is so so i have to say that i've been using this apps ever since um Ed told me about it and even before you released it in the wild i was um, testing it a little bit um, as part of the beta tester. And I must say that I come to depend on it every single day. And it's just so convenient that as part of uh, some work that I was doing in the hospital, we got people to bring together the most important and most useful uh, bleep numbers at my hospital, which is Royal Free Hospital. And I was just so happy that you uploaded it all into the database and for so the, for the doctors and in my hospital, which is using it already, they already had this incredible resource to start with, and I, I know for certain that people are adding to it because I keep seeing new numbers appear there, which I didn't personally enter it. So you might see. I, I don't know why people say that it, you have to justify that it's in a work in progress, but for this very specific need, it does not feel like work in progress. It feels pretty complete, you know. Well, thank you. Uh, it's it's um. It was a, a labor of love to build. Um, we, we've worked in some new stuff now where, because um, you can enter the, manual, the numbers manually if you want. You know, you could click plus and then enter the number and say whether it's a bleep or whatever it is. Um, but we're, we've worked on some new stuff where y you can actually now do things like take a picture. You can take a picture of like an, a set of numbers on a wall um, and email it to us and our data monkeys will 
make sure that that gets into your hospital, all of those numbers. And that's actually, we've seen a huge, like the last couple of weeks, and I guess it's probably coming up to changeover because I've heard from a lot of trusts that are actually now incorporating this app in their induction um, to tell people, Mm. you know, on the slide, this is where you get the numbers. Um, But so we've been inundated with people sending us lists of numbers to add on there. Um, So the database has grown probably about 100% in in the last couple of weeks, which is, it's great to see. It's it's actually having a a decent effect. And you, you, what you have to do is uh, to create an interactive map to the, of the number of numbers in all the different hospitals in different regions, and it would be a nice competition thing going on there. Yeah, uh, I love no, a bit of gamification. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually looking at that at the moment as a sort of Sunday night project, too, because I've got all the time stamps and the geolocation data as when each number is entered. So mm. almost like a sort of you could have a, a, a real-time chart with like little light bulbs appearing on the chart. Um, and it would be amazing to do some sort of time lapse on that and actually see see the use of it spreading um, when the new when the new doctor starts in August. I recommend if you're going to do that. Have you heard of uh, processing? No. Nope. So it's a um, it's a, a language for visualization stuff. Um, it's processing.org, I think. Okay. Uh, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> If you just t- uh, type into Google, I'm just doing an app, Processing Visualization. Maybe it is Processing.org. They've changed their website, which is why I don't recognize it. Processing.org? No. That's... Yeah. Maybe it is. Processing 2, which is why they've changed their... So, uh, did you say you can see when people have downloaded your app or when they're using it? Uh, well, I'm working on a, a little... Well, basically, I can see for each hospital the number of times someone sets that as their default. Uh, and every time someone adds a new number, or in fact even mm. calls a number, um, yeah. that gets logged with a timestamp. So, oh, wow. So, and because we know where the hospital is, we could theoretically create a like interactive Google map that showed, you know, over time, in real time actually, you mm. know, where the app's being used. Um, and uh, I think that would be quite cool, actually. Hmm. Um, it is processing.org. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, uh, processingjs.org, is that it? No, no, there's different wrappers to it. So there's a JavaScript wrapper, um, and then there's a Ruby wrapper. There's all sorts of different wrappers for it. But I think it's a, it's a, pro, it's a sort of open source programming language in its own right. Okay. No, I'll, I'll definitely have a look at that. Um, it's really good for creating sort of small visualizations, and there's loads of really good examples. And the thing it's great at doing is the kind of map things. Oh, uh, Okay. Well, no, I think that would, but that would be quite quite useful. Um, Processing.js is something I think you would like personally. Oh, okay. I do like so, my JS. So, Ed, have you hmm. seen which which hospitals are? Have you seen like the greatest uptakes? Well, or, that's a very good mm. question, and let's have a look. Addenbrooke's is pretty good, which I'm really happy about. Although I did a, a locum shift today at Norfolk and Norwich, and there's nothing. And I did um, mm. try and enter a few numbers on it. To, but I, I, I so rely on it at Addenbrooke, so I was, I was quite gutted when there was nothing at well, Norfolk and Norwich. you can find a list, just, just snap it with your phone and send it to us, and it will be done. Yeah, I will do that. I've got a, hopefully there's a guy that's going to send something to me. So. so, in terms of numbers, the top, that's most used at King's. King's. Wow, King's. Yeah. The next is Chelsea and Westminster. Uh, then Royal Free. That's, oh. probably, that's probably all you, Waikyong. <laughs> uh, this, when you mean most it's used, all very London what do you mean? So there are 51 doctors using it at Royal Free. Wow, really? There, there are 93 at King's. 
not just doctors. I mean, this could be used by any Anybody, anyone yeah. in the hospital. And when you say using Ed, is that people that are uploading stuff, or is that people? Uh, that no, are this just... is this is just this, the, someone goes on and they set this place as their default hospital. So if I if I set a different hospital every single, like four times and then come back, does it mean to get a recorded twice? No. All right. So is it because you know the device ID? Or something? I know your UDID. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we got others. We got Aberdeen uh, is used a lot. Bristol in Hematology and Oncology. Center. Oh yeah. Really there you go. Popular there. York, uh, UCL, Bristol Royal Infirmary, Leicester, Tommy's Guys, St. Mary's. So mostly London. Adam Brooks got 23 users. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then we start How getting... How much in Birmingham? Uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham. Which one, which one of the thousand <laughs> hospitals in Birmingham? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hospitals. Give me some names of hospitals in Birmingham, the big ones. Um, the QE is probably the, one of the biggest. Queen Elizabeth. I can see New Crosses on there, Walsall, City and Sandwell. Got Birmingham Women's. <laughs> the, the Women's, yeah. That's, okay. got, that's, got, that's got 16. Does that, does, uh, did, did, did they, <laughs> did, did they uh, download it thinking it might hurry along labour? <laughs> that, that, that could be an excellent extra function. Um, they must have, download, it must have downloaded it by mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does sound, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, so the, the numbers are really going up quite nicely. Um, we've just added all the Welsh hospitals as well, and those are actually increasing in popularity. It turns out we don't actually have all the Scottish hospitals in there for some reason. I'm not sure why. I think our original hospital data set wasn't as good as it could be. So I'm in the process now of trying to fit, like, fill in all the gaps to make sure, basically, that every UK bit major and community hospital is, you know, is in the directory. Do you know, Ed, you, you might actually have uh, the one application that most UK doctors use most often already. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far, but I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's been a slow, it was a slow start, but it's really picking up now. Um, and this is exactly what we expected. And, and in fact, from a tech point of view, it's exactly what I wanted because we wouldn't have been able to cope if every doctor suddenly started using it. Mm -hmm, but because mm -hmm. it's actually happened quite organically and grown quite slowly, been able to put in lots of tweaks and, you know, and, and really refine the way that we're, you know, storing the data, making it faster, making it cache better on the phone. So, for example, even if you don't have a network connection, um, your numbers would actually still be there. Obviously, you can't... Actually, mm. you can... And you can... Wow. It, what it will do is... Say you don't, you don't have Wi-Fi, or of course you don't have Wi-Fi, but say you don't have 3G reception in your hospital, um, you can you know, add a number and it, it will wait until you do and then it will save it. Can I just say something about the Wi-Fi issue? <laughs> I, knew that was, I knew my comment was going to bring something. Yeah. Uh, the, so the clinical director of IT of NHS England has gone um, officially to say that the lack of Wi-Fi for junior doctors prevents them from getting information that they require for patient care and that this is a patient safety issue. Yeah, and I think I really do agree with that. Uh, but, but it's about money, isn't it? It's about, it's, you know, the, it's actually very, very expensive to set up uh, Wi-Fi networks in hospitals. Oh, I think the Wi-Fi networks are already set up there. Yeah, it's they're just, already there. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just not public accessible. No, but yeah. I mean, in terms of the bandwidth, they would have to add... Because yeah. if you think about it, if you allow everyone, you know, everyone's carrying around like at least three devices now that connect to some sort of data. Um, and if you think about every one of those devices getting pushed email and all this sorts of stuff multiple times a minute. Yeah, people then, watching YouTube videos, you know. People watching uh, the uh, tennis uh, ten, and all this sort of 1080. stuff. 1080. 
Yeah, you know, I, mm. if, if the, the, the requirements to make it stable and to work is actually quite an engineering challenge. I think, however, if we start talking about it and people with influence start talking about it, perhaps that, you know, we can get priority in that roadmap. Oh, because absolutely. often we are the last people to be prioritized. The very last. Mm. Yeah. So Norfolk and Norwich, actually, where I went to today, have a public Wi-Fi. It's brilliant. I use it so much. Yeah, I think it's really important. Can be done. Yeah. Yeah, it can be done, and it's done very well. It's very quick, easy to use. The registration, you have to register, obviously, and put your email address in. Yeah. And uh, once it's all set up, it, it's great. I mean, you can check all sorts of different things related to patient care. So, Ed, what kind of feedback have you been getting about induction? What kind of things people have been requesting? So, most of the feedback has just been, wow, this is amazing, this has changed my life, uh, which is always nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> was that Wake Young? That was Wake Young, though, mainly, <laughs> um, which, is, which is great to hear. Um, we've had some... So, we've got a little bit of a problem at the moment with prefixes, um, mm. because yeah. some hospitals are really annoying and... and to dial from your phone to an internal extension, which is how they're stored in induction, you obviously need the prefix for the hospital to get in from the outside. Uh, and some hospitals have multiple prefixes, and the prefix depends upon the, the, the type of number that you're calling. And from the way we've engineered it, that at the moment is actually we can't do that. We can't have multi, you know, we can't haven't got it, the data set up in that in that way. So that's something we're looking at a lot at the moment to try and actually get that working the good news is it's a, re it's a real minority and you can actually get around it by just if in induction you don't have to put in the extension you could just put in the full number and it will still work yeah yeah, yeah. um so you can you can get around it that's the hack yeah that's the hack but then it's not so useful for people who just don't want to use their phone to call they want to actually use mm -hmm. you know the extension on a internal phone um so that's been that's been one bit of feedback um, something which people have been asking for, which is actually going to be, I'm hopefully going to publish in the next couple of days, in the next version, is a private area for numbers, um, mm -hmm. specifically an area to store things like door access codes, um, blood gas machine codes, all the kind of stuff that you end up writing on the back of your hand. Oh, so useful. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That would be so useful. Yeah. But that's completely private. That's not crowdsourced or shared. That's just within the app. That's your, that's your stuff, and you, you're responsible for that. And then the next big thing, which I'm hoping to get out in the next update, and this is actually big thanks to Wai Kyung for helping me to develop this idea. We're adding, I'm trying to decide whether to call them guidelines or FAQs, but basically this will be crowd shared. And it's going to be simple things like, how do I, how do I bleep somebody? And then a simple set of instructions. Yep. They're going to be stuff like, you know, how do I request a CT scan at night? You know, who do I need to contact in this situation or in that situation? You know, how, who, who, who do I need to contact to arrange to start someone on warfarin or something like that? Mm. Um, so hospital pathways a little bit as well. A little bit, but really practical stuff. The kind mm. of stuff that, you know, if you went up, if you were in the mess and there was some other doctors there, you might ask them and they just say, oh, yeah, just speak to this person. I don't want to make it. I mean, eventually, hopefully, when the hospitals come on board and hopefully, you know, when as Waikyung says, all doctors are using this, <laughs> then, then they will want to do that. But I don't want to wait for that. I think there's potential of this is more. So I think, you know, we should be giving people the opportunity to share, you know, sort of day-to-day -day working kind of um, 
Yeah, and share share, the, share your practical knowledge, basically, yeah. mm. isn't it? And and do you know what you can build into that? You can make it even more intelligent because the phone knows uh, who you are and the phone also knows what time of the day it is. So when it says, um, you know, how do I order a CT scan? When you look at that at 3 p.m., you'll be different from 3 a.m. Yeah, we can context context specificity. You know, we have loads of applications that already do it using your location. Who are your friends? What is your browsing history? Induction can get there. So all I want to know, induction will just tell me how do I achieve something. So I want to refer to cardiology. I go to induction and I say, refer cardiology. And I don't really want a phone number because really a phone number is for me to just get to where I want to be, which is speak to a cardiologist. So... Uh, but, I guess, I, but you the, might, the, but you might want, for example, to know that you know in this hospital to refer to cardiology, you need to fill out this specific form. Absolutely, or, yep. you know, And in fact, we could even do stuff like, you know, taking a, you know, taking a picture of that of that form, you know, so that you know what to look for when you go to the cupboard. Oh, uh, very good. Or the, you know, that would be brilliant. Yeah, that that, that kind of stuff. But once again, we're relying on the crowd to do it. And but and I was initially really worried about this. Uh, you know, in the original plans, I had plans to try and actually get all these numbers myself, which was just not going to work. Mm. Um, but actually, the uptake from the first core users of induction has been amazing. People have been entering so much stuff. I mean, some people enter it in bulk, sit down literally and just copy slavishly. I'm very, wow. great, I'm very grateful to them. But like a lot of people are just enhancing their hospital's directory every single day. They come across a number that's not an induction, they find it, and then they take the time to share it with the other doctors in the hospital. And you know what's the most amazing thing here is that it almost self-selects the most useful numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you check those numbers are correct? Well, you mark them as incorrect if they're not. So that's another Mm -hmm. crowd thing. And we're very careful, though, because when you mark a number as incorrect, it doesn't just disappear. So, mm. because otherwise somebody could basically just go in and destroy all our data. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so what we actually do is we have a system where if obviously if two separate people mark something as incorrect, it gets immediately dropped. But we check twice. I mean, it's quite a lot of work, this app, because we have to mm. go in and we check the databases twice a day to make sure that nobody is actually entering numbers they shouldn't be. Like, for example, if you enter a mobile in there, It'll stay there probably for a couple of hours, but then it will just get removed because we're not we don't give out you know consultants mobiles and things like that. That shouldn't be in the app. Mm. Um, and uh, we, I'm, all the time, actually, most of the work actually is not on the app at the moment. It's actually on the server side, trying to make this self-selecting, trying to make the algorithms to give the doctors the most useful stuff before other stuff better. Um, and just just a word of warning about the mobiles in quite a lot of hospitals now that they are giving up mobiles to on-call doctors. So, for example, in my hospital, we call the microbiology for my that looks after my department um, on a mobile. So, if you delete that, I I won't have that. Yeah, so that's something you have to put in your private area of the app. That's one of the reasons we're putting this private area in because people have said they don't want to store. You know, they don't want to store that in their actual contacts directory, the contacts bit. You know, they, they they prefer to keep that just for, you know, friends and family and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but they do want another area where they can sort of encapsulate their hospital life for the information they need within the app. So it's more about trying to figure out what are the bits we can crowd share yep. safely and what are, but what are the other things that, that doctors really need um, to have in there. 
Um, so I guess the two big features coming are this private area for codes and numbers or whatever, um, uh, the FAQs, um, and then the the stuff that's coming after that are going to be the formal hospital guidelines. And we're already in talks yep. with some hospitals. We've developed, um, I keep saying we, it's probably, I should probably just say I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've developed a, uh, a web application which can be instanced to a specific hospital. So mm. if you're the designated administrator for that hospital, you can basically just log in, see what all the numbers are, make any corrections, uh, also you know put in, in any FAQs, and also upload you know gui- real guidelines, you know PDF guidelines and stuff. Um, so that you know say or say there's like an ACS pathway. And you're a doctor, you're, you're a medical locum on call in a hospital you've never worked in before, and you're down in A&E seeing a patient, and you need to know what's on the ACS pathway. You can just go straight into the guidelines, ACS, and you've just got it right there in front of you without having to, you know, dig around or ask somebody else. Um, so I think it actually is a patient, quite a bit of a patient safety thing as well. Um, being able to give this information. But the important thing about though, that sort of information is it does need to have someone who's in charge of it. You know, there needs to be someone in the hospital yeah, who's taking yeah, responsibility. Yeah. Are those guidelines up to date, et cetera, et cetera. That's why we're waiting on that feature. And, and surely there, there is some kind of business model as well, because I know it is it's a label of love, but, you know, your time is also money. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we will look to charge hospitals for that sort of functionality mm. eventually. Um you know, I, I was very, I'm very, very enthusiastic though. The, the, the code for all of this is open source. Um, and, you know, I wanted it, I want, I want the core functions to be always free for doctors. Yeah. Um, um, but I do think it's right that if, if, if we're providing a service in the sense of the, course, yeah. the hospital, then that should be, you know, they should, they should pay for that service just like they would pay to have switchboard or just like they'd pay to print out the, the algorithms to keep in, in, in A&E or the MAU or, or ever, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a communist. And to um, some trust, I mean, this could be a dream. I mean, I know, I know so many different trusts that have struggled to keep their, their address book up to date and also their guidelines, um, that they struggle with these kind of things and the intranet often isn't the best way to do it. Um, and actually the CQC use that kind of information seeking, uh, to, to, to mark people up or down as to their, uh, their scores at the end of it don't they basically they come in and ask people where would you find the the hand washing policy and if you don't know where to find it of course it's always on the internet then that's a point against that that hospital Mm. or that ward so you're right it is a patient safety issue yeah and also i'm excited about the ability for doctors working in hospitals to control some of this data themselves curate some of it but also the formal stuff to actually in some way maybe able to feed back on it within that environment you know, but whether that's in the most simple case of just looking at how often it's used, um, how useful it is to have that information there, but also some sort of commenting feature or that kind of thing. It actually would be a fantastic data collection tool to try and improve some of these algorithms if perhaps, you know, they, they weren't useful or they weren't in the right format or whatever. You know, it would be a fantastic way of, of, of gathering on, you know, live information in a really easy way from doctors.
And the other thing is just seeing what other hospitals and trusts are doing because I went from one trust um, and I actually did microbiology in this trust that was very, very hot on uh, their blood culture taking policy. They were very good at doing blood cultures and uh, their their rates of contamination were extremely low. And I moved to a trust where actually that was a bit of a problem and they've been struggling with that kind of thing in certain areas like A&E and the acute medical unit. And all I did as a junior doctor was to just tell the microbiologist at my new hospital the, the practices that I'd seen and that's one of the beauty about moving around hospitals but with an app like induction where you're sharing protocols hospital administrators can see what other trusts are doing and pick the best practices that may work for them which is another great probably unintended consequence of having all of this information shared. Yeah and that brings I think on to another really interesting point I, uh, some of the other feedback I've had is a lot of pressure from people saying this data should be all private and hidden and should be authenticated and et cetera, et cetera. But I actually don't see it that way. I I think the kind of data we're we're not sharing mobile numbers. We're not the kind of data we're sharing, you know, it's, it's in the best practice for this to be open. You know, it's the kind of data that anyone can ring a hospital switchboard and get. Yes, exactly. But it's almost like, yeah, it's not, this is not secret stuff. Um, and, more, yeah, and exactly one of the main criticisms has been you shouldn't be allowing people to share this information. But I think I think that sort of I'm not sure. I, I think that sort of stems from the idea that which we I think we need to get away from, which the hospitals are very secretive places and the internal mechanism mm. of the hospital should never be exposed or known about. But I think in, in the age of open in, of everyone being open about their practices after all these scandals and everything like that. You know, this is actually a huge opportunity for, as Stephen said, for people to learn from each other. You know, and if if the data is, if the information is actually out there, then that you know, you can, there's no more hiding. It's there. The thing I like most about it, though, is a doctor sort of practicing on the wards. Is it just removes some of the barriers to getting things done? Yeah. Like today, I was thinking I need to discharge this patient. But before I discharge her, I must just check with the stroke team that they've done everything they want to do with this lady in hospital. So I had to find out what the stroke register number was, phone him, uh, then speak to him. And then I needed to remember my password because I've not worked at this hospital for, for quite some time. Remember my password for the application. And let's face it, we are inundated with different applications that do different things and they've all got different login credentials. So I need to remember my password for the, the application to allow me to create the discharge summary. And an app like Induction would just remove all of those barriers, make them, uh, you know, as easy as possible. The stroke register number's in there, can get to it straight away, call him up, talk to him. Whilst I'm doing that, I can look on the app and find out what my password was because it was six months since I last changed it, so I'm not going to remember it. And, uh, and uh, it, just, it just makes life easier. I think one of the huge things that people don't realise, one of the biggest patient safety problems we have, and the, one of the reasons that doctors make mistakes, is we don't make, and this may sound like an, a very obvious comment, but it's a bit deeper, is that we fill our doctors' lives with too many small daily hassles. And if you've got to deal with so many small things to get one thing done, then your energy levels and your ability to do that thing to your best of your ability is severely impaired. So if you could just, if you make things easier, if you make, if you break down the barriers to getting simple things done, like finding a number, and it literally can be that, you know, I mean, I've spent 20 minutes trying to find the number for the right person before, and that really impacts on your attitude towards that particular situation, your attitude to other problems you may deal with later on in your night shift or, or, or during the day, then it can make a real, really significant difference uh, actually to patient care. 
of course you get frustrated and then you know someone's relative comes up and wants to talk to you and you're busy lots of things going on you still can't find this guy's number and and of course you know if you're frustrated and annoyed that you can't do a simple task you're you're probably not going to react in in the way that you should um or, or the way that you could um the other thing is that this is where I think we have to be really careful about making things digital, is that in the past, in the acute medical unit, to discharge someone, it was incredibly simple. There was a carbon-copied piece of paper, and I would write the presenta- presentation, I would write the diagnosis, what was done in hospital, very briefly, in handwriting, all caps, and I would write the list of drugs to take away. If there were no medication changes, I would just write usual medication, no medication changes, sign it, date it, one copy would go with the patient, one copy would go to the GP and the other one in the notes. It was so quick, it was unbelievable. And now, actually discharging someone is a really big pain. I think the system is better in the we can call those discharge summaries up at a later date without having to find the paper record. So at three in the morning, you don't need to find the old notes to find out what happened at the last discharge. And it, in lots of hospitals and areas, they go automatically to the GP. So it's better, but it's not, it's not better from a, from a junior doctor's point of view. Actually, it's worse. No, I completely agree. The thing about it is that the people implementing these technologies do not take into account the actual process that you need to go through. They just think that they're replacing paper with a computer. Yeah. They they don't actually understand and break it down to individual components. And 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 I th- this is where the danger comes in. If you try to computerize a process that was designed around paper, paper will always be faster. Yeah. Nish, what is what's it like up in Birmingham? <laughs> Well, I have to say, I'm in a hospital at the moment. We use a really old system to do discharge letters, order bloods, everything. But it actually, in a way, makes your life a lot easier because it's very simple to use. And I think just like you were talking about, I I have gone from a complicated system where you have to use a pin and sign in and sign all the drugs that you prescribe on a TTO discharge letter and then sign it again at the end with your pin to make sure it's you know you, you approve it all. Whereas this is very quick and almost like you were describing with paper, you say the admission date, a small box of free text, and then the drugs, essentially. But, you know, it seems it seems like every place you go has a different system and you have to adjust to it and learn it again. I, I think that's, you know, the, maybe the transparency between hospitals would be better. I mean, uh, uh, induction app, we've kind of gone away from the induction app a little bit, but I think that would help sort of transparency between different places. That would be better. It's yeah, like a discharge protocol, almost. It's, it's different in, in each hospital, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Mainly, yeah. Mainly because the software is different, I guess. Yes, exactly, yeah. Do you know, do you know yeah, I'm just th- thinking a bit more about this thing, how, how can you make use of the fact that if induction is used in multiple hospitals and we can understand the patterns of working and the, the patterns of resources which are used most, how can you use that intelligence to then guide a... A, a, a particular hospital. For example, what, the way I was thinking about it is that if across a hundred hospitals you see that uh, guidelines for, you know, diabetic ketoacidosis, for example, is is um, is used quite a lot, it could actually then make other hospitals perhaps want to prioritize that if they want to uh, update it or make sure it's more accurate, and you know, it creates a whole new collaborative platform which just doesn't exist i just wonder is there any way we can use that better perhaps 
if we realize that certain phone numbers in certain hospitals, like for example, to look for the neurologist, is common to most hospitals. You can almost provide that. These are the, let's say you go to a trust and say, these are the common numbers that... Why aren't that, they always the same in every hospital, maybe? No, no, no. I mean, the whole point about the induction apps, you don't need it to be the same in the hospital. But what I, I mean see, is yeah. that you could say that these are the common numbers that most doctors want. And yep. then you can go to, and then say, fill these things in first. And these, this will be a good place to start. Yeah, and, and that's yep. on the back end, that's what we're looking into that. So we're mm. looking what are, for each hospital, what are the most frequently called numbers. And yep. once we've got enough numbers and enough people, enough uses of each number, we're going to actually stop ordering them alphabetically. So they're going to start mm-hmm. being starred and they're going to start appearing in the order they use most. Of course, you've got the search there as well if you do need to find you know, the, some of the rarer numbers like the night porter, you know, or the <laughs> night catering or, or whatever. Yeah, well, maybe that could come up when, you know, as soon as it hits midnight, the night porter starts to rise to the top because he's the most common guy called at 3 a.m., right? <laughs> Secu- yeah. Security after, after 11 in A&E. <laughs> yeah, and it would be interesting as well because the neurosurgeons at Edinburgh's claim they've done an audit. I don't know if it's biased or not, but, you know, judge for yourself. They claim they are the second busiest bleep in the hospital. They have data for it. No one else has data to claim this. And they say they're second only to the medical registrar, which sounds reasonable. They are very, very busy people. But something like induction, you would have statistics. You could tell who was getting the most calls through the app. And it would be a surrogate marker for who was the busiest. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot. If we get the data right, I think there's a huge potential. I mean, some of the other things I'm excited about and thinking about are things like push notifications as well. So, you know, being able God, to I hate this. Being, no, but just being able to send hospital-wide information. Um, oh no no no! Please don't do that. You know, it would just be like no beds, no beds. You know, make sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, useful, oh, useful information, useful information for doctors. I mean, even eventually, you could look at you know roles within a hospital and you know sending out specific role-based tasks and things like Best that. I mean, party tonight, eight o'clock. Be there. Be square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the most uh, yeah. That's the going most back to the going back to the numbers thing. What did anyone hear about this stuff? I mean it was a few years ago I heard about it about someone was uh, campaigning to make all Chinese restaurants takeaways numbers the same. So the number 4 <laughs> whatever Chinese restaurant you went to was always egg fried rice. <laughs> did, <laughs> I don't think did, it took did, off. Did, did not hear that. That's, that's I good, think it's really good idea. That's good general knowledge though. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to Google it now. I can't find it. <laughs> so, Ed, um, you mentioned very early on, sorry to put you on the spot, that you're going to, uh, that all the course, uh, all the course, all the code is open sourced. Yeah. Uh, how do you plan to, you know, wouldn't say use, use the community, but how do you plan to engage the community in co-developing this? Well, I don't, I don't think there's enough there yet for, 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 for us, for me to explicitly, you know, go out and try and because i don't i don't we don't it's at the stage now where it's it's growing very organically uh, yes mm-hmm. it's it's sped up but at the moment you know there's not really enough data um there to really i think make it, you you know use anyone's time effectively or, or make them be able to build anything significant on this i think going forward and i think illustrating some of the ideas we've spoken about which came up from you guys which i haven't even thought hadn't even thought about I think there's huge potential mm, uh, to mm. look at to look at that, you know. So when more people are using it, when there's more guidelines, there'd be great opportunities to go in actually and, you know, 
really look at the you know look at some specific types of data you know in this, someone's phone is going off oh yeah it's really? mine it's mine just ignore it <laughs> um go in and, and actually do little you know little uh data um studies on you know specific guidelines across the country how often they're being used is that a marker of the guideline being better or just is it just being in this format that makes it help so i, I think there's a lot of opportunity for big mm. data for big data here I was also wondering a little bit about um, a web app because I think you you do have a web app which I don't think you make it very you don't publicly announce it too much um, but you have a web app and for a lot of the things that we've talked about today yes it is incredibly convenient that you have it in your pocket that it's in your phone yeah. but if I was actually sitting next to a computer it might actually be faster if I use the keyboard yeah, no so, you're right mm. the, the difficulty there is just being able to support the technologies that most of the computer you're sitting in front of. And you so, mean Internet Explorer 7? Yeah, so that it's the age-old problem, yeah. And, and I, I am working on it. Um, but getting but some... I thought that might be a very good opportunity where the, the engaging the community might be an interesting thing. In what sense? Uh, what I mean is that, you know, if you find it quite... Uh, resource heavy for you to develop that particular feature set because you have defined your data models and your API so yeah. well that people can actually work on that separate from you yeah. um, and you know and that and I guess that's one of the big advantages of having well, open API. if you know any open source software developers who love working with Internet Explorer 7 please feel free to point them in my direction <laughs> I don't think there is one <laughs> Wait, Kion, what book are you reading? Huh? You're coming out with all the right terms. It's beautiful to hear. So data models, API. You, know, you really know your stuff now. You, what book have you? Is it Wikipedia or have no, you been? He's secret. He de- he's denying that he's learning to code, but he's secret. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. Yeah. And it's just it's just discussions about IT. You need to learn the language, don't you? Mm. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, it's a good thing we're not criticizing for it. But uh, <laughs> from when we started this podcast, it's been 15 episodes, and your knowledge has increased exponentially. Each episode, there's a notable difference. He was if taking not, frantic if, notes at the Digital Doctor Conference. That's what. If you're was. not, if you're not careful, I'll be talking mm. about things like enterprise service buses and stuff like that. Yeah, please don't start talking about. That. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so, Ed, I've got yeah. one more feature to ask of you. Okay, hit me. Of induction. Checklist save lives. Okay. I th- can we crowdsource checklists? I mean, that was the idea behind the first NHS Hack Day project that I worked on called Checklist HQ. I, I just thought it might be quite useful. It. Um, so, give me some examples. Give me some, some un- nationally used checklists that we could put in induction. Well, I think nationally used is, is, is one thing, but I'm thinking much more about maybe more kind of down-to-earth stuff, like, um, uh, oh, things to ask a patient before they have surgery, or oh, things that I need to put in a consent form for a laparoscopic cholecystectomy. And, um, and who's going to write mm, those? Exactly. For you already have the who. Yeah, so the, the point who is... Who guidelines that, for that? Yeah. So I think that would be difficult, wouldn't it? Because you're competing against sort of national guidelines already for that, those sort of things. It can be more useful for um, smaller scale things that are, that are specific to that hospital, like how, how do I treat a patient who's come in with an abscess? It's just talking about surgery again. In this hospital, what do I do for them? What's the pathway? 
And then generally every hospital in the area could be doing the similar thing. And then as you move around, it might make your life a bit easier. I don't know. Like turning the guideline into a checklist almost. Yeah. Just because just you were talking about um, specifically like mm. asking patient questions before theatre, there's a whole big Who che- checklist booklet already for that mm. that starts on the ward and goes on. So I don't know. Just in, think, in that particular area. Uh, so maybe something like things to put on a consent form might be quite useful. Yeah, that, yeah. that, would, that would be useful. I mean, there are there's, again, there's lots of stuff for that, but you know, unifying for the, the rarer things could be useful. Maybe mm. could be. Yeah, I mean, my my concern mainly is to make sure that there are two types of data in induction. There's local data, whether that be and cross data. Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. no. There, well, getting beyond that, there's there's local data, uh, which can be either crowd source in the case of numbers or the guy the faqs that other doctors may enter how do you do this how do you do that um and then there's like the pri- the, the then there's the sort of the big other big stuff the sort of national you know these are the definitive guidelines mm, for mm, for mm, this mm. um and I, i'm quite keen to keep those two things very separate and only put national things right, on yeah. there if they really are um, otherwise, what's going to happen is, you know, in, I don't want to open myself up to, um, yes, you know, the the various legal things about <laughs> yes. giving yeah. giving medical too much medical advice within induction. You know, for example, in the FAQs, um, that's why the guideline wouldn't, if it was say something like treating DKA or the management of a patient presenting with DKA. It, that would have to be, you know, a PDF yep, of the official yep. official document yep, yep. signed off by somebody. I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't allow, you know, junior doctors to write their own little FAQ guides like one, <laughs> do this, two, do this, three, do that, um, because that then opens them up and also opens us up if if mistakes are made. Um, I think in the future, if if it can be done, absolutely, you know, I, but at the moment, I'm just, I'm really enthusiastic to hit the big to hit the big problems, you know, and that's why we started with numbers. Um, mm. And now while well, we're going on to sort of tips and tricks from other doctors. Um, yeah, you run the risk of just making it really bloated. I think it, as it stands with the numbers, I mean, that's a, a very particular problem mm. that mm. people face day in, day out in hospitals and it solves it very well. So on its own, it's a success. And I think if you start putting lots of different things in it, you run the risk of diluting it um, and, and making it more confusing, less usable, um, all that kind of thing. I definitely think there's scope for different features and the things you've got planned sound great. But um, I think that it comes a point where you need to just say and draw a line under this is what this app is going to do. If, if you want to yeah. add different kind of functionality, yeah. perhaps yeah. sandbox it in a, in a completely different app. No, that's, no sorry, that's, I think that was exactly what I think you guys have helped me come to a conclusion for. Yes, that something like that may just need to be a different app. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what what about, do you mean the, the national guidelines would be? No, no, no. Like, no. Uh, like a, a checklist application. Yeah. Checklist. That yeah. doesn't have to be in induction. There are, there are those it. out there. I think there are some of those. I'm really fond of this sort of modal type of working. So I try, when possible, to put myself in different modes. And something we talk about time and time again is Inbox Zero and and um, the getting things done methodology. And that very much puts you in a particular mode. So right now, I'm going to process my email. And I'm not going to respond to it. I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to process it. And then I will go down and sit and, uh, and, and, and respond to each item uh, individually. So they're different modes of working. And I think apps are the same. I mean, when 
when I want to find a number, I want to find a number. And my mode and my thought is, I just want to find a number. So if there is an app to go to, where do I find a number? It's an induction app. Where do I find a checklist? It's in the checklist mm. app. Where, mm. you know, and if it was one app for everything, I think you have to open the app and then you have to do like several clicks to get to what you want. And it just makes it more confusing. I quite like the modal, very clean interface to get. So that the interface is designed to get me ex- exactly where I need to be. And also, you know, developer energy. If you're trying to do too much, then you end up doing nothing well. So, True. you know, we, at the moment, all the focus and the reason it's taken so long for these co- the codes and guidelines to come in the next version of induction is because I wanted really, really to focus on the numbers and get that right. And I'm, I'm happy with how that is now. And only next then start adding, you know, what I, the, the codes and FAQs I'd regard when I release them in the next couple of weeks as being you know, in alpha state and, 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 and they'll be built up as well um, to yeah. get to the point. So it's very, very progressive, but I don't want to start doing too much because, yeah. because otherwise I'll do, the app won't do what it's actually meant to do and do that bit well. I almost think, I almost think you should stop there because I've got some running text files that I just keep and I've got, I, I've got, it's almost, I've built a database of stuff that I use. Um, so I've got a different text file for each hospital and I've got numbers. You know, just like the the induction app has done. Mm. I mean, I've been doing that ever since I've started working. Every time I get a decent number or something that's interesting, I'll write it in this uh, in this app, like a door code or my password to something. So I think you, in the features that you're about to bring and what's already existing, have solved all of that problem for me. Um, I think yeah, th- th- that that's all the app really needs to do to to make it a, a resounding success in my eyes. I, I I'm sold on that. <laughs> you what why Kyung always thinks big and i like that <laughs> yeah. yeah it's true it's good it would be i mean it would be a lovely dream i the other thing i really liked was the taking of pictures of forms and you know then you can look straight for a form like a referral form yeah or, I, know, I think endoscopy I, I, forms yeah i hadn't mm. really thought of that until our conversation it just sort of came along um mm. and now mm. i'm definitely gonna it probably won't be in the next version but I think for the for the second phase of the of the FAQs, I think we'll add that in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like in America, you can do this. Some some banks, you can do this. So you can cash a check by taking a picture of the check and sending it to the bank. That just makes no sense. So you're writing something down on paper, converting into digital form via taking a photograph, and then sending in digital form so the bank can process something. Why not just do it all digitally? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, think, I think what Nish was trying to say is that if you're going mm. to put an FAQ which says um, you, you have to find the endoscopy form, then yeah. you can show a visual representation so that it's easier for you to find it. I think Absolutely, that's absolutely. Yeah. But I yeah. don't think that we, as, as digital doctors, and trying to lead the hospitals and, and everyone towards a better place, I don't think we should be supporting the use of, of paper forms in that way i just don't think it's conducive to to moving things in a in a digital era but we have I mean, to, I, I, we have, well, to, divide, true, Steve, we have guess, to divide but... our responsibility between moving things forward but also providing the best tools that we can for doctors yep. here and now and the point is mm. is that those paper forms are there and if it is useful to as an attachment to an faq to be able to at least have eyes on a small version of what that form looks mm. like so that you're more confident when you're filling it out that it actually is the right bloody form. Um, mm. you know, I think and also, 
And also another thought is that you could just take a picture of the screen as well. If it's online ordering in the future, you can still show someone a picture of the actual so where to click and where to go. Well, I guess it's, well, it's kind of just... Just be very, very yeah, careful when you're taking, allowing yeah. <laughs> any... No, I think that this is a serious point, as in, like, if you're allowing anybody to take any pictures that you put on, you just make sure it's so careful there's no patient identifiable data. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah we, we, get, well, we already yeah. have pictures, so I get sent pictures... Um, Oh, of course you do. Um, yeah. Already of numbers. Uh, and sometimes yeah. I do see the top of the patient list on the thing. But mm. we actually store our pictures in a totally separate database. Okay. Um, which is encrypted to the Department of Health standard. So actually, uh, I mean, there's not a lot we can do about the fact. I mean, it's the user's fault that they chose to send that picture over an open network. Um, mm. We can't do much about that. But once we receive it, it is properly encrypted and in a special place which is is correctly secured um and most of the time we don't need to do that most of the time people don't send us any patient identifiable stuff but just occasionally you might see you know a name at the top of a patient list or something like that um so that gets very quickly redacted and then encrypted well that's uh, reassuring to know yeah so google reader's dead just to move us on oh, um yeah. and actually i know working on, you, you use rss a lot right i do and what have you done? So what I've done is that I have um, transferred my cloud service for, from Google Reader to Feedly. Feedly, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Free, the free service, right? It is a free service. And um, I, I chose it mainly because they made the process so ridiculously easy. And coming back to what Ed said, they all it involved, it actually involves me doing absolutely nothing. It just, I think it, all, it, it, tri- it completely migrated it from my Google Reader uh, into their cloud service. Fine, because Feedly always used my um, Google login anyway. And all it did this time was to ask me permission for access to a different site. So, it was it was it was painless. I suddenly realized that I might have now trapped myself into Feedly without realizing it because <laughs> because. Um, while there are a lot of services that are plugging into Feedly, like my favorite RSS um, app on my iPhone, Reader, that's R-E-E-D-E-R, mm-hmm. um, is, can, can take feeds off cloud, uh, off cloud.feedly. So uh, that's one problem solved. But I guess my concern is that it is free. So Feedly at some time in the future might decide to charge me for it. And there's no way for me to download my feeds as a OPML file and transfer it to somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's one of the big worries about Feedly. Mm-hmm. And and for that reason, I, I have opted to pay. Um, you know, Google Reader was great, but yeah. I think we're getting some new functionality with these new services, yeah. which is also awesome, like filters and things. Yeah. But I've opted to pay just so I understand what my relationship with that company exactly. is. Exactly, yeah. Like, you're not going to screw me over later. You're yeah. not going to sell me my data, yeah. I hope. Yeah. I give you money and you give me a good service and that's yeah. how it should work. Yeah. I've, so, gone, I've gone with News Blur. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's working really well for me. But do you know what? I, I I mean, I know people say that RSS is dying, and that's probably part of the reason that Google decided not to support it. Apart from the fact it probably doesn't make them very much money. <laughs> I think that's the main reason. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's actually rekindled my love for RSS. So I've gone with uh, I tried Feed Wrangler, but uh, there were a few bugs with it, and it didn't quite work out for me. So I've gone with Feedbin.me. Okay. Um, so Feedbin's great actually. It's a really nice uh, web app interface that works on um, on iPhone and iPad at, just on its own. As quite quite nice it actually looks a lot like the ipad app for reader the reader ipad app oh yeah it does yeah it's um it's really really nice it looks um, a lot like it <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. 
Well, they work very closely together. So it was it was the first service that was supported by Reader app. Of course, yes. Um, Feedbin. So I mean, I'm really happy with it, and they've got a, a little uh, hamburger as their uh, as their icon, which is all, all quite nice. But I, I, it's really rekindled my love for RSS, and I'm using it a lot more now. And I think it's great. I, think, I mean, it stops me checking Facebook so many times a day. I can check my RSS feeds instead. Nish, are you using RSS? I'm not actually. I'm kind of outside of this conversation. I feel <laughs> it's really good. But I did just Google out of interest the um, the fact that Google Reader is shut down, which I had heard about. But then, um, but you don't use RSS. No, I hope, but the the two um, the two top alternatives are Feedly and Newsblur. So Waycong and uh, Ed seem to be doing well. Feedly looks good though. I might just pee them. It does look quite good. Do you know? I, do you know, Stephen? You know, you're a friend of mine, but I really hate you because you. you <laughs> I find one flipping product. I I go with it, and then you bring up something that looks nice, and now I have to switch, and I have well, to pay, well, and I have to pay for it. Well, touche, Ed. I mean, how many uh, how many how many apps do you think we've sold each other over I think, the years? I think you should pay for my Feedbin subscription. I think that's fair. Okay, only if you pay for my Ulysses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do a few calculations, but we might have a deal there. <laughs> Ed, can I ask you one final question about induction, which a lot of people have asked me, so I thought I'll ask the author. Okay, go. Android. Oh, please. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. What's happening, man? <laughs> so I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. If we look at the statistics, okay, 92% of junior doctors are using iPhones or iPads. So that's the, de- that's the decision which led me to do the iPhone. Well, apart from the fact that I'm not very good at writing Android apps, that might be a small part of it. Um, and you're an Apple fanboy. <laughs> less and less, actually. That, that's a different podcast. But, less, but it, this, the, the figure is very high. However, it's just another, another reason to engage the open source community who tend to use a lot of Android. And what I realized, I don't know whether this is true or not, you know, in the, in the, in the junior doctor kind of uh, age range, I'm kind of towards the older age now, right? You're getting very, you're not the junior I'm, anymore. You're not I'm the not the junior. You're I'm not the junior training. anymore. The, the current group of FY1s yeah. was in the beginnings of primary school when I was in medical school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of them are using Android. I know. Look, I'm, uh, as soon as this podcast finished, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to open up the horrible, horrible Eclipse Java SDK and uh, and have another go. Now, I, I mean, if we could get some open source help on it, that would be That's great. great. I'm also, um, I'm also actually looking to outsource that as well. I'm going to put some of my own money into it and. Um, try and get a, an Android version. Uh, or, or basically, the other option is to make the web app even better. Um, in fact, the web app does work quite well on Android already. I tell you, I, I'm a big fan of adaptive, responsive web applications. Yeah, but they're not, than... Stephen, they're not ready yet. They're not fast yeah, enough. Yeah. They don't run at 60 frames a second, and they just don't give that same... I mean, I am as well. If I could just do one web app and make it responsive and it actually work, then I would do it every time. But I've learned painfully even with some of the great new frameworks jquery mobile and node no well was it, yeah, was it was a bit old now isn't it but no, well no well nodes a bit nodes a bit different it nodes more of a sort of server side thing but you know things like um what's it called ninja tools uh, you know that there are some great stuff but the, the problem is 
is it just isn't fast. It, it, it hasn't got that same feel to it that a native solution has. And also people are so used to interacting now with the Play Store and the, and the App Store. They don't actually, you find, if you look at some of the studies, you find that people actually don't trust web apps on their mm. mobile. Um, mm. they, they feel that they're somehow inherently more dangerous um, and they're less likely to put that on their home screen than they are an, uh, an app, whether it's free or paid from one of the, you know, the Android or, or the Apple store. So, but no, Wakeyong, I'm 100% with you and I need, I desperately need to get an Android version out. It, w- it will be done. Yeah. What phone do you have, Wakeyong? I have an iPhone 5. Okay. Nish? Yeah, iPhone 5. Ed? <laughs> uh, I don't even know what phone I have anymore. I've got a, I've got an iPhone five running iOS seven. Ooh, it's it's really buggy. I'm not going to install mm. it. I think until the beta two comes out. Beta three is already out, mate. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sent I sent a few uh, reminders to Apple, made a few code changes, and they sorted it out. It's fine now. Is it really? No, when no. did that come out? It should be out now. Yeah, it's on Twitter. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm going to install it. Is it no, still no, really no, buggy? No, 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 don't install it. <laughs> It's not. It's not ready yet. It's not. It's not ready. It's not ready. It looks. It looks great, uh, and it's really annoying because I now I'm going to have to convert all of my apps to have a flat user interface, which is do- actually designing for flat is actually a lot easier than designing the the current mm. apps, which mm. with all these sort of drop shadows and skeuomorphic type leather effects and all this kind of stuff, um, flat is actually a lot easier to. So that makes me happy. But um, yeah, it's it's very nice, but it's not ready yet. So please don't put it on your carry phone. Okay, I think it's it's nice for you to use it because it, if you use it early, you get to understand how the iOS is set up, and you get to understand what your apps need to do and how they need to how one interacts with the apps. And oh yeah, that's the I only that's really that's, important. I'm putting up with the bugs because I I just I really like the design, and I want to, I want to have all of. I think for healthcare, the design is great as well. By the way, yeah. um, because it actually simplifies things a lot and makes user interactions a lot more obvious. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm using it because I'm really excited about, you know, so an induction will be going flat, not in the next version, but hopefully by the beginning of August, um, it will, it won't have shadows or anything in it. It will be nice and flat and, uh, so, so, sounds like we're dangerously slipping into another episode <laughs> of iOS 7. All right. Well, let's wait. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a long way. It's still a long way off, uh, both in terms of release schedule and also how the code is looking at the moment, um, it's actually one of the buggiest uh, iOS pre-releases I've ever used, um, mm. which is quite surprising because most of the changes are not under the hood. Most of the changes are actually visual. Um, but uh, it's not, however, saying that, it's not as buggy as Mavericks, which is... Yeah, the, Mavericks is terrible. I installed the, that on my, uh, on my Mac Mini and it went nuts. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Mav- Mavericks is really not in the fit state at all at the moment. Uh, for those who don't, nice... for those who don't know, by the way, Mavericks is the new uh, OS X, next OS X. So they've, instead of uh, naming things after cats, they've gone to places in California. Yeah, I'm quite upset about that. You know, I love my cats. Oh right, yeah. Mavericks. But they'd run out of cats. Mountain lion. What, what would you go to? Mm, why don't we just call it cat? They could have gone to breeds of cat. They could have called it Maine Coon. Maine Coon. <laughs> Actually, no, that might be misinterpreted. Um... <laughs> They could... <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one. Think quick. 
Siber- anyway. Siberian Tiger. That's what I would have gone with. OS- OX10 Siberian Tiger. I like that. And it's an endangered species as well, so it increases the, you know, the knowledge is, of the is it, issue. There's a really nice little graph um, on uh, IB Times. It's like iOS beta stuff. So it's got how many days uh, different versions of iOS spent in beta. Yeah. And uh, actually, iOS 7 is not doing too badly. The, the, the beta 1 actually finished relatively early in comparison to the rest of them. Yeah, but most of them went over it, 90 that's days. That's because it was so shit. Yeah, maybe they had to just get on with it. <laughs> I mean, it, it was literally, mm. it, was re- it was almost unusable. And mm. not only that, but it was very difficult to get rid of once you had it on your phone. Like I had yeah, to like I had to like do some weird hack and hold down fifteen buttons on my phone and press four buttons on the keyboard at the same time to put it in some special mode to get it off and get the the iOS six back on. There are only five buttons on iPhone. Yeah, but you get the picture. It was fun. I had to use my feet and all my fingers. <laughs> well, simultaneously monitoring your blood sugar level. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's where it all went wrong. Maybe I should sue Apple. <laughs> We're going to talk about that sometime. So we're going to talk about, uh, and I think this would be a good topic, medical devices, uh, pros and cons. I think that should be an episode uh, soon. We're also going to talk uh, a a lot about how we redesign our interactions with healthcare. And uh, I think we should probably draw this episode to a close unless you had any further comments, guys. Nope, I'm good. I I think this might just be my new favourite episode. (laughs) It's because Nish was here. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god oh my god the love has been transferred over to me <laughs> no it's been it's been fun and i'm sorry if people went you know i'm i i realize i've slightly hijacked the episode with a product of mine but you know it hopefully it is something that's useful and you know it's not it is an open source you know project so perfect Ho- hopefully people find that acceptable i find it useful it. good perfect Thanks very much, guys. Bye. Thanks Thank for listening. You. Great Things stuff. On. Speak to you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. Check for pulse.